lesson is taken from Mark's Gospel on page 1002, and it's 14 to 20. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother, Andrew, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hard men and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. As I see people with their blankets and hot water bottles and hats and all various things, I know how hard it is to concentrate when we're cold. Um, but let's pray as we uh, reflect on this uh, together. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your word and your word made flesh. And we pray uh, your blessing as we explore that together and what it means to belong to you and to belong to one another. In your name. Amen. Amen. Every single human being, I believe, has within them a deep-seated need to belong. Uh, I read some research recently that basically went on to say further than that, said that much of what human beings do is driven by that need to belong. Much of what we get involved in, the things that we uh, spend our time doing, uh, are governed by that that drivenness, that need to belong. And on the surface of that, uh, saying that kind of thing may sound more like philosophy than theology. You may be sitting there, are we in for a philosophy lesson today about the state of human mind or anything like that? Well, actually, when you look at scripture, you realise that that is very, very clear. Throughout scripture, there is story after story, narrative after narrative, teaching after teaching, that suggests that there is this huge need within us to belong, to be part of something, something other than ourselves. Uh, Whether that's to belong to a person, whether that's belong to a people group, uh, whatever it may be, there is a need in us to belong. In fact, this this really struck me and really surprised me this week, that the very first time that God said something was not good was when he said it is not good for man to be alone. Up until then, everything was good. And then he realized it's not good for man to be alone. And so then God made it his mission to ensure that that's not the case. Starting with one and then building wider than that to the community and the people of Israel. And then continuing to build on that as well in and through the church. And it's because we're made in the image of a God who is perfect community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, absolute perfect community. We have within us that need to have community around us, to belong to something and someone, primarily to belong to God uh, as our Father, but also to belong uh, to others and to something else as well, something hopefully greater than us on our own. And 
there's a number of ways in which God has sought to fulfill this over time. And, and we've got the people of Israel. Uh, and God called them as a community of people to belong primarily uh, to him and also to one another. And I was having a conversation with someone recently about tattoos. Um, and you might think, what's that got to do with belonging? But there was the conversation about where tattoos are mentioned in Scripture. Does anyone know any of the references where tattoos are mentioned in Scripture? No, well, they are. Uh, Leviticus is one of them. In Leviticus, uh, yeah, you got. Your name is graven on my hands. Oh, I like that. That's good. Um, that's very. That fits in really well, Janet. Thank you. Um, because actually, when, when tattoos are normally mentioned, it's, it's in Leviticus, the listing of the rules and the regulations that the people of Israel are expected to live under by God. And one of them is, you shall not mark your body with piercings or markings of any kind. Now. What you have to do when you see a passage like that is understand a little bit more of the context that they're writing in, the context that those rules are set. You're living in a time, as the people of Israel, you're living in a place where people's identity is physically marked on their body, depending on what tribe or people group they belong to. It still happens today in many places around the world, and certainly happens in gang culture. Uh, I'm sure you're probably aware that gangs mark which gang they're part of by marking their body in some physical way to show which gang they belong to. Uh, and, And it was used as a way of saying, I belong to this tribe, and this is the marking to prove it. This is what proves that I am part of this tribe. And what God is wanting to say to the people of Israel is, you don't need any of that because you belong to me. You belong to the Father. And I want you to show that, not by marking your body, but by how you live your lives. By how you live among one another. By how you show and model community to the world. By how you're showing how a community is different by having God as their Lord and their Saviour. That's how you're to mark yourselves. Not physically, but in how you live your lives. And we see that continue as Jesus gifts us uh, with the church. And, then, and he says, you too are called to be different. Uh, uh, Anne leading us beautifully in that description of love in 1 Corinthians 13. That was not written to just describe what love is. It's written to show what the church should be modelled by, what the church should model itself on. This gift of perfect love that is modelled in Jesus. And we're called to that way of life, to show that. And, and we've said it so many times. This is how the world will know you my disciples by how you love one another and so we have this wonderful gift of community but what we're looking at is not community as such but we're looking at the need to belong and what is so powerful about that and why it's so very important that the one place that people should feel they belong is in the church of christ that's, I mean, there should be nowhere else that feels quite like it. I, I've often heard people say uh, that when they go to a particular church or they go to a church maybe they've never been to before and they use the phrase, I feel like I've come home. I love that phrase to describe church. Uh, and I love, I love it when we do alpha and you hear people come to faith and they use it to describe that as well. That like, actually, I feel like I've come home. And it's because what you've realised through that is that you belong primarily to a father who loves you because he loves you because he loves you. And that's an incredible place to belong, isn't it? In the presence of a God who loves you because he loves you. And then everything we do as a community is an expression of that. 
and that welcoming and belonging of others to say you are welcome here is extremely important. But it's difficult because there are barriers to it. There are barriers to being a community where people feel that they can belong. And the biggest one of all is fitting in. And you might look at that and you think, hang on, aren't they the same thing? Aren't belonging and fitting in just the same thing? Just different phrases for the same thing? Uh, No, they're not at all. Uh, And some people might say, well, surely you need to fit in in order to belong. So surely, if they're not the same thing, then maybe one is a prerequisite for the other, that you need to fit in in order to belong. Well, again, that's not true either. This quote uh, from Brené Brown helps, which I think is going to come up on the screen as I read it. Fitting in is about assessing a situation and becoming who you need to be accepted. Belonging doesn't require us to change who we are. It requires us to be who we are. Fitting in is about assessing a situation and becoming who you need to be accepted. Belonging doesn't require us to change who we are. It requires us to be who we are. I hope that kind of makes sense in itself. But what that's basically saying is that when you're trying to fit into a place, you'll look around you and say, what do I have to do in order to be accepted here? Maybe I've got to look more clever than I am. Maybe I've got to make up some stories about what I've done in my life. Maybe I need to present myself in a certain way physically or wear a certain type of clothes and then I'll be accepted. Then I'll be welcomed into this community. Maybe if I if I've can say that I've done this in my life, then I'll be accepted and I'll be welcomed in. But that's not you being welcomed in and accepted for who you are. That's you being accepted for who you're pretending to be. But belonging is about being able to come as your true self. In fact, it depends on you coming as your true self and being accepted as you are. Now, we've said before, uh, and I'm sure we we will say again uh, about the role of vulnerability. We're going to come to that in a minute. But I'm sure that many people will be able to testify to the fact that wearing a mask when you're in a particular group of people, is absolutely exhausting. Having to pretend to be somebody else for however long, whether it's an hour and a half when you come here, or it's on the school gate when you drop the kids off, or or when you're at work for six hours, or whatever it may be, having to pretend to be something that you're not is absolutely exhausting. And really bad for our mental health. This should be a place where people can come as they truly are. Masks off, warts and all, (laughs) struggles confessed, the real us. Because that's how God welcomes us. You look at the story of the disciples that we just heard, the calling of the disciples, and I love the story of the calling of the disciples. There's so much in it. We've we've looked before about the fact that they were fishing. Probably means they were dropouts. They'd failed their courses. They weren't good enough to follow rabbis. Yet here they are being approached by this rabbi who calls them. And here's the thing I find about this. Jesus didn't call them as apostles. He didn't call them as the apostles that they would eventually become. He didn't call them to be something they weren't. He called them as fishermen. And he said, I'm going to make you fishermen of men. 
I'm calling you as you are. I'm welcoming you as you are, as you are right now. Yes, there's a desire. Yes, I know there's a better version of you to be unlocked. Yes, I'm going to be with you in that journey. But right now, I'm calling you as a fisherman right now in this moment. I'm not expecting you to change anything other than to say yes to me. That's the only change I'm expecting you to make. That might mean saying no to something else in order to say yes to me, but all I'm doing right now is calling you as you are, as a fisherman right now. Come as you are with what you've got. When God calls Moses, I love this part of the story. He says, what do you have in your hands? And Moses says, I have a staff. And God says, well, let's use that. He calls us as we are, with what we have. And the expectation of change comes much later. When you look at Zacchaeus, Jesus calls him down from the tree as a tax collector and says, today I come and eat in your house. He is accepted as he is in a way that the community around him never ever did. And then the change happens. It's phenomenal that Jesus accepts us as we are. And so this community and every church community should be seeking to be the same should be seeking to be a community that accepts people as they are. As it says in Jonah, uh, when God says, I want you to go to the people of Nineveh, uh, and and then it says at the end of chapter 3, or partway through chapter 3, when he eventually goes and God gives the message, and then it says, everybody from the least to the greatest turned to what it says, repented and, and put on sackcloth and ashes, but that's contextual. You need to read the whole story to see why they did that. Um, but everybody... Everybody. And, and you kind of have to ask the question, is, is there a type of person that if they walked in here today, they wouldn't feel welcome? They wouldn't feel like they belong here. Now there are more challenging questions to ask, which I'm going to come to in a minute. But what I want us to do now is just explore uh, four more of our values. If you've not been here for the past uh, couple of weeks, then what we're doing through the month of January and a little bit through February is we're looking at some values that we hold highly as a church to say that we want to do our best to live by these values uh, so that our vision can come from that place. Uh, and, And these are four values that hopefully will help us to be a place where belonging is a priority to us. Not only our own belonging, but also that other people feel that they belong here, that they can call this place their home. The first is this. Uh, We believe that vulnerability is a strength and not a weakness. Therefore, want church to be a place where people feel free to be them true selves. That goes back to what I was saying a little bit earlier. Um, We've talked before about how society uh, makes us think that vulnerability is a weakness, that if we show our vulnerability to other people, that we're weak. Uh, You see time and time again, if people win something on TV or they're saying something sad and they start to well up and they say, oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't going to cry. Now, I mean, that's just, that's the message we hear is that vulnerability is a weakness, but it's not. You have to be incredibly strong to be vulnerable with people. You open yourself up to huge risk because you expose yourself fully as your true self. And it's a really hard thing to do. And you need to know that when you do that, sometimes you'll be accepted and sometimes you'll be rejected. But the hope is, the prayer is that here, you will be accepted. That as you show your true self, that you will know that here is a place we believe that vulnerability is a strength and not a weakness. Therefore, we will honour it when people show it and express it. Uh, In 2 Corinthians, it says, uh, but to me, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast 
all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. We want to be a place where people feel they can boast in their weaknesses. That's not going to be easy. Because it means we've got to be a place that's free of judgment. And and we know we're very good at judgment, aren't we? (laughs) But it needs to be a place where it has no place here. There's only one who's allowed to do that, and he does it his own way. (laughs) So, secondly, we desire to have a community that is marked by love and encouragement and that seeks to outdo one another in showing honour. That should say showing, not sowing. Um, Although sowing is also a good thing to do, sowing honour. Romans 12.10, I absolutely love this verse where where Paul is writing. uh, In fact, actually the whole of Romans 12, there's this beautiful picture of community and many of our values have actually come from that chapter in scripture. Uh, So I encourage you to have a read of that. Uh, But it's this whole kind of thing of outdoing one another in showing honour. What a wonderful attitude to have isn't it that someone honors you and does something to honor you and you kind of think your instant reaction is yeah I received that but now I want to do something to honor you even more to outdo one another in showing honor what an amazing community that would be if that's what we were seeking to do and how welcome would people feel if they were honored just for who they are not because of what they do but because of who they are I've been challenged in that personally. There's been times that Linz has challenged me where we've done Unsung Hero and I've listed all these things that people have done and saying, you know, we really thank you for everything you do. But actually, the Unsung Hero is about honouring people for who they are, not what they do. Uh, And so we want to continue to do that, uh, but want to see us all outdoing ourselves and one another. Thirdly, we desire to grow in our understanding of community, learning what it means to share everything. Now, we all know this passage in Acts chapter 2 really well, don't we? Where, where, Paul, uh, where the writer of Acts is saying the community met together and they shared everything in common. What on earth does that mean? What does it look like to share everything? What does it look like to, to share with all those who have in need? I have absolutely no idea, I'll be honest. I have no idea what that community looked I've seen glimpses of it in different places. I've seen places where uh, in the States I, I was listening to a talk and they had this big thing. It was a, a big church so they could get away with it where they had a massive bucket on the stage and they said that if you have more than enough money, come and put it in the bucket. And people came forward and they put in some cash or a blank check or whatever it may be and then they said, now if you need money, come take it. That's an example, but that's not the only way to share everything. I've seen people do it in practical ways, where they've said, uh, stand up if you know of anyone in the community who has a need. And someone would get up and say, oh, yeah, I, someone so is car's, car's breaking down, they can't afford to fix it. And then they'd say, right now, let me know if you can help that need. And the mechanic would stand up and say, well, I can go and fix that. There's examples of it, but we want to explore what it really, really means to be a community who share everything. But that's a learning journey. That, we won't do all that in a year, don't worry. And fourthly, we hold the role of testimony highly and seek to create opportunities to hear about God's goodness and faithfulness in each other's lives as often as we can. Uh, in Mark chapter 5, there's a wonderful story where Jesus uh, heals somebody and then he gives them this commission. Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy upon you. We, we want to celebrate one another 
It's a way of showing honour. It's celebrating what God is doing in our lives. Uh, And that may encourage people as well, uh, hopefully in different ways. We're going to explore that more next week. We're going to be looking a little bit deeply, uh, more deeply into that and the importance of that. But our desire is that through these values and some of the other values that we become a place where people feel that they can come as they truly are. Even if they have to physically crawl through the door, as my wife wisely once said, and say, I made it, that that's enough. That's enough. Even if they're different from us theologically, that's okay. Even if they have very different priorities from us, that's okay. Even if they haven't got it all together, that's okay. No more pretending. Pretending's got to end here. So that we can come as we are and know that we're accepted as we are. Primarily by our Father, but also by one another. Now I like to set challenges. And this week the challenge is not going to be an easy one. Because we're going to ask you a series of questions. And it comes from this quote that I heard. In order to know you belong, you need to know that you'd be missed. In order to know that you belong, you need to know that you'd be missed. So here's some questions for you, and they're not easy, I'm going to promise you. Who's not here today? Look around you, who's not here? Yeah. Have they not been here for a while? Why is that? Do we know why people aren't here? And I'm not talking about heavy shepherding and following up on people and checking up on people and saying, you weren't at church on Sunday, what's going on? This isn't about having them here because we need them here to boost our numbers or anything like that. It's because we miss them and we want them here. And we're concerned about what's going on in their lives. We're concerned about whether or not we can help them. I mean, look at who's not here. Do you care they're not here? Does it bother you that they're not here? On any level? (laughs) Uh, Maybe maybe they're just away because it's freezing and they want to stay by their fire and I totally respect that and understand that but maybe they've not been here for a few weeks. And the question then is what are we going to do about it? Are we going to follow up? Are we going to give them a call? Are we going to pray for them? Are we going to, you know, just ask God what's going on? And then this last question, uh, I love this. Uh, Lindsay was listening to a talk a few years ago uh, that introduced the scene, or it might have been a book, I can't remember. It's something that we read anyway or heard somewhere. We are creatures of habit, aren't we? We come in, and ideally we sit in the place we want to sit. Let's be honest. We're, thankfully, we're not the kind of church that if someone's in our seat, we say, that's my seat, get out. I'm very glad we're not that. I've been in churches where that's the case, but thankfully that doesn't happen. But we sit where we like to sit. And if, if our seat is taken, we have a plan B of where we'll sit if, seat, if plan A is taken. I'm, you know, it's, it's just a reality. We all do it. How different would it look if we all came into church and said, Holy Spirit, where do you want me to sit today? Who needs me today? Who needs my company, my companionship? Who needs someone just to sit by them today? Things might look very different if we did that. Some people who are on their own might not be on their own anymore. We might start to notice some of the people who are missing because maybe God might say, well, sit where that person would be. 
I think it would look very different. It's not, none of this is easy. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I remember at my ordination when I was ordained priest, uh, the Bishop of Lewis, who had only recently become bishop, so felt a, a, a good license to say whatever he wanted and get away with it, which is great, uh, stood up and said, um, don't complain. Uh, no, hang on, let me get it right. He said, do complain if the church is not loving you. Don't complain if it's not the vicar doing it. Basically, he's basically saying we're all responsible for this kind of community. We're all responsible for this being a place where people feel they belong. So what are we doing to be that place? And I've said this before. When we ask the question, how are you? Do you want the genuine answer? Because if you don't, don't ask. Don't ask out of politeness or Britishness. I'd only ask that question if you want the genuine answer. You might not get the genuine answer, but at least be open to it. Because that kind of community is exactly the kind of community Jesus has called us to. Because that's how he is towards us. Come as you are. I call you as you. I love you as you. The rest will follow. So may we reflect Jesus as we welcome and accept one another. And may the world know that we're his disciples by how we do that. Amen.